Now, young people, get ready. I'm so excited because I got a little more confirmation. You know, the series that we're doing, is, it's a great series, but it's a series that I realize kicks the hornet's nest of cultural expectations and protocol. And uh, when I was at this conference, one of the pastors who had stood up boldly during this time, he said, pastors, I'm challenging you. Are you speaking about the issues that your people are facing? Are you talking about gender? Are you talking about marriage? Are you talking about sexuality? And I sat there going, yes, 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 and yes, and we're going to talk about it some more because we're literally right in the middle of that, that very message. So it was confirming to me that the Holy Spirit, as we seek him, is leading us and guiding us, uh, and that we're talking about things that matter. Many of you have come up after the services the last couple weeks and said, thank you, thank you. This has been so helpful, and thank you for speaking out on these issues. I say it once again, who is going to talk about these issues from God's perspective if the church and the pulpits don't do it? It's not going to happen. So uh, we must do it. We must talk about these things, and we must communicate these things because it's true. So we can't just know it. How many know we have to have the courage to speak it and to live it? So even as I shared, shared a couple weeks ago, this message today, I'm, wanna, I'm going to, here's what I'm going to I'm going to have a fun time exposing falsehood. I love it. I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian because somebody put a gun to my head or because I was born in America or because my dad was a Christian. That's not why I'm I am a Christian because this is the only worldview that makes sense. And because truth matters. And because you want a worldview that fits reality and answers life's deepest questions. And when you come across worldviews that don't, it's our job to nicely expose the stupidity behind the worldview. Remember, we're not attacking people, we're attacking bad ideas. And so we, we've been in, in Genesis chapter 1, which we're talking about um, finding the real you in a culture of self-deception. So I know the atmosphere right now, our cultural atmosphere in America is full of deception, uh, and people are being destroyed because we're embracing it, and much of the church is not speaking out about it. But we read in Genesis 1.26, I want to go there, because this, this verse is so pregnant with the consequences of what God says about reality, and I, I want to just begin to flesh them out. You know, we said here, when Genesis 1.26, it starts off with, then God said, and I encourage, encourage you, your theology about who God is will largely determine your identity about who you are. Because if you don't believe in God, lots of luck. You don't have a lot of options for identity. We'll get into that in weeks to come. If you do believe in God, then the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom about what? Well, wisdom about everything, including who you are and how God created you and who your identity is as a human being. All of that is given to us by the great I am so that you and I can say, I am whatever we am, all right? Everything comes from him. And how many of you know everything that we enjoy in life comes from him? We have nothing apart from him. And so worship is just simply saying thank you, and we come back on the first day of the week to say thank you. Thank you to a God who's blessed us incredibly with so many things in so many areas. And so ideas have consequences, and bad ideas lead to bad consequences. And listen, God ideas lead to good consequences. And so then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. We are image bearers. We are a part of this beautiful poem that God has written through us to give him glory. A beautiful poem where masterpieces made to be like him and to image forth who he is. 
They will be, here's the part where I want to talk about today. After it says to be like us, it says they will reign. That is an important phrase. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. In other words, God created us to rule and reign over the created realm. This is hugely important to determining who we are and what we're called to do. Now, now skip ahead to uh, Psalm chapter 8, another great chapter that talks about identity. Psalm 8, and we're going to read verses 6 through 9. You made him, talking about human beings, rulers over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, all flocks and herds, all the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now, these two passages of Scripture share a radical idea that God has conferred upon human beings royal authority to take dominion over planet earth. Now, this is radical. It means you're not an animal. It means you're actually a king and a queen. It means you're called to rule. You're called to take dominion. You're called to lead. We're going to talk about what that looks like, but this is a radical calling. Now, if you keep reading with me in Psalm chapter 8, we're going to go to a couple of verses earlier because it talks about this beautiful paradox that the Christian worldview perfectly balances, all right? Uh, this is Psalm 8, verse 3. So the psalmist says, when I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place. Notice what's happening. This is Romans chapter 1. He's looking at nature and revealing things about the glory and greatness of God simply by looking at the night sky. I hope you'll take advantage of pausing and going, wow, uh, and just taking a look at what's above you because it's profound, it's wonderful, it's orderly, and it, it gives glory to God. So when I look at the night sky, I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you've set in place. Here's the question. What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? In other words, who am I? compared to the greatness of your created realm. Yet you made them, talking about us, you made them, creatures made in the image of God, a little lower than God, and you crowned them with glory and honor. Now, this is the beauty of the Christian worldview. We've got people that reject God, and that leaves them with nothing but evolutionary naturalism, atheistic naturalism, and it puts them on the same plane as an animal. And people will tell you, you're just an animal. You evolved from monkeys or whatever else. It's really encouraging, isn't it? But anyway, um, I don't know how anybody could live that worldview with a straight face. But that's, that's all you got. Then you got people that think they're God, right? Here's the good news. You're not an animal, and you're not God. But you're something in between that's really, really awesome. You're somebody who carries the image of God, and listen, you're ruling on planet Earth in God's stead. Now, I want to give you three important responsibilities, and then I want to give you three abuses, and we're going to have some fun. I've got to leave plenty of time for the abuses because that's, that's the most fun. All right? Young people, I was going to subtitle this message today, You Are Not a Chicken. This is really, really good news. But there are people out there that believe that you are on the same level, level of a chicken, and hopefully they're not leading anything. Uh, they might be leading our government right now, but anyway, we're not going to talk about that. All right, three critical responsibilities. 
the first responsibility is stewardship. Now, this is important. You're all familiar with this. We usually talk about it in terms of offerings and giving. But think about this for a minute. If God created you and God created the world, then everything you have, everything you possess from your health, your breath, your life, your job, your family, your wife, your kids, your car, everything, if you're a believer, belongs to him. And it's all from him. And so our whole posture as people is simply stewarding what we've been blessed with that's not ours. I mean, you know, we didn't create the planet. We didn't create what's on the planet. So it doesn't belong to us. But God says, take care of it for me. This is the difference between Christian, a Christian view of environmental health and this radical fascist green movement that really doesn't like people very much at all. All right? We are called to steward planet Earth. This is very, very important. So I just want to make, I was, I was ripping on Earth Day, Mother Earth, all that. Please hear me. What we're not saying as Christians is that we don't have a responsibility to manage the environment. We do. But how we do it is radically different than godless people. This is huge. And you've got to know the difference because it's drastic and it's caustic and it's tragic, as I will demonstrate, all right? How many of you were raised in a home where if you borrowed something from somebody else, you were taught to take better care of it than if it were yours? Because, okay, so, so you borrow a car from somebody, like, and you use it for a week. It would be a really good idea to sweep it, wash it, and ready for this one? This one really hurts, especially now. Fill it with gasoline and then return it and say thank you. So when God put us on the planet, he expected us to do something with it, and our job is to return it to him in better condition than when we got it. In other words, not better because the garden was perfect, but in a more developed condition, all right? Which, which leads me to the second point here. I'm going to go through these kind of quickly. So we're called to steward something. Let me quickly quote from John Calvin. Great quote. Whether rich or poor, he says, we must remember that whatever we have, we're to use it with the sure knowledge that one day we will have to give an account to God of what we have done with the things he has entrusted to us. This is serious. If there is a God and you are a steward, then you will give an account for your life before God. If this isn't motivation for righteous living, and how many know the Bible says this, to whom much has been given, much is going to be required. I'm going to pop your bubble here this morning. There's nobody on planet Earth that has been blessed with more opportunity, more freedom, more wealth, more blessing than you folks sitting in this room with me. So the purpose of my blessing is not to consume it upon myself, but the purpose of my blessing is to bless other people and to steward the gifts God has given me. Now, I'm looking out at a championship baseball coach sitting here today. Justin, congratulations on your, uh, on your award, all right? Just had, to, had to throw that out. So, so whatever God has gifted you with, and we have Major League Baseball player experience, now coaching, and producing great results. How I many you know whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God, which makes whatever any of us do with the calling on our lives holy. Yes. Right. Or you can do it for yourself like a pagan, 
and that's the reward that you get. But if you do it for the glory of God and you, and you say basically I'm going to max out what I do and do it well and do it to bless, that's the spirit behind this. So we believe we're going to stand before the Lord someday and give an account for planet earth. How many of you want the planet to be in good condition and not bad condition when Jesus returns? In other words, occupy, Jesus said, until I come. We're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. Husbands, you're going to give an account for your family. You're going to give an account for how you treated God's daughter also known as your wife. Um, we're going to give account for these things. This should put a healthy sense of the fear of God in us. It should motivate us to maximize and steward the gifts that God has given to us. Now, let me get to the next point here. We're called to steward. How many of you know we're also called to create? Now, I was with two of America's and the world's foremost historians, especially as it relates to understanding America's Christian heritage and American exceptionalism. That term has fallen in disrepute in recent years, but it, it doesn't mean that Americans are better than other people. It means that the environment that we have here, the laws, the liberty, and the freedom that we have in this country have led to making America exceptional. And I just want to say this. This has nothing to do with race. America is a melting pot of all the nations of the world. But here, let me, let me illustrate. America population is only 4% of the world's population, but we're responsible for 96% of the world's creativity and inventions. Let me ask you the question again. Why? It's because of the environment, freedom, rule of law, the ability to pursue and create for you to pursue the gifts God's put in your heart. Do you know that there's many countries in the world that they tell you what you're going to do, and they tell you where you're going to work, and they tell you what options you have? Joe, you had an idea to start your own electrical company. Brian, you had your idea to go out and start your own uh, plumbing supply company. They didn't have to get permission from anybody in a government office. They just followed their dream. And guess what happens when you follow your dream? And you do it for the glory of God, and you do it to create. God blesses you, and then you're able to bless other people. Why is America leading the way in technological inventions? It's because of what we believe about reality. I'm grateful to be raised in a country that I can pursue whatever dreams God has placed in my heart, and I don't have anybody stopping me. Do you realize how rare that is? There's no place on planet Earth other than America where you can do that. I'm going to highlight that in just a moment. We have the power to create. How many of you know we started in a garden, but the Bible says we're going to end in a city? Now, some people glorify country life, and again, praise the Lord, it's beautiful. But the point is this. It's not like one's better than the other. The point is this. We got this place, undeveloped a garden. God expects us to take the minerals out of the ground and do something with them. How many of you know, I, I, I used the example this morning. Most of us have a cellular phone, an iPhone, whatever your phone is. I could talk to my brothers and sisters from Africa uh, on an app on my phone. I can see their faces and talk to them like they're right in front of me for free on a piece of basically something made out of sand because that's what much of the phone's made out of. It's sand. How did we do that? I drove across a bridge going to San Diego that was massive. How did people figure out how to put bridges over water so you can get from one place to the next place? That's all part of the cultural mandate, the dominion mandate. We take the raw materials and we turn them into something awesome. But check this out. So we don't just create for the glory of God, but you have the responsibility after you create to serve people with what you just created. 
And this is huge. There's a whole generation of young people today. It's really ironic. They're all out protesting. They're all, they're all commies and socialists. They want to burn the whole system down. And they're communicating on iPhones that cost a lot of money while they're drinking $6 lattes. Burn it all down. The very system that created the wealth that they hold in their hands, they want to burn it all down so that we can all be equally miserable, which is really what socialism and communism, it just makes everybody equally miserable. But let me tell you what they're revolting against. Free market capitalism fits the scriptures the best because it correlates best to how God created us. It means that if Kevin has a certain gifting and he pursues that gifting and he's excellent in it and he honors God with it, he is able to produce a profit. Now, he doesn't have to put a gun to my head to get me to buy his product. I buy his product because his product brings blessing to my life. It either makes my life easier, helps me get the job done better, helps me look good. I don't know what his product is, but the point is it's a free exchange of resources. Are you with me? He gets blessed. I get blessed. Everybody gets blessed. The problem is when you lose the purpose of your blessing, the stewardship of your blessing, how many of you know when God blesses us with a superabundance, we're called to minister to the least of these? We're called to take the blessing and to distribute it. Notice the government's not distributing it. The church is distributing it. Individual believers are distributing it to help other people, to help lift up other people, to help meet people's needs. In other words, True Christian capitalism has a heart that it's not played by whoever gets the most toys wins. It's how can I use what God has blessed me with my business to employ people, care for people, love people, serve my community, honor God, and be a blessing to the nations of the world. When you lose that component of capitalism, it's just as evil as communism. Please hear me. When you lose the heart of capitalism, it is just as wicked and selfish and greedy uh, as its opposite, okay? So we're called to steward, we're, and, and in stewarding, we're called to create, and we're called to, third point here, serve other people. This is important. Be a blessing to other people. Now, very quickly, I want to move to authority abused. Authority abused. I have been ripping for the last few weeks on a lot of this green stuff, and rightfully so. I'm going I'm to make, make sure you know why. Um, because there's some serious baggage that comes with it, and it's going to take us to a bad place. But I want you to hear me. We are called to take really good care of planet Earth and make sure, here's one of the things where authority gets abused. Just because we're in charge doesn't mean we can waste what's been given to us. That's the first. I'm going to give you three W's. Dominion does not mean exploitation. And this is important historically. Do you know who were some of the leaders on uh, protecting animals and caring for animals and animal societies? You know, you know who started all those organizations? Christians did. And in particular, you know who the Christian that started the first animal, care for animals and be nice to animal kind of a society? It was William Wilberforce, the, the champion against slavery in Great Britain. In fact, he started some 60-some different societies. How do you know the Bible tells us we should not mistreat animals? We should care for them. Love them. Be nice to them. Treat them well. We're not, we can't abuse them. So we're not talking about exploitation. But there's a big difference between caring for animals and, for instance, worshiping animals. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So we're not supposed to waste. We're supposed to be good stewards of what God's blessed us with. The second thing is we're not supposed to worry. Now let me give you a sign that I came across 
from a young person in a, in a protest event. This was what was on the sign. You will die of old age. We will die of climate change. Now, I just want to tell you something. We have a whole generation of young people who are freaking out and worried and hysterical, namely like Greta Thorn- Thornburg or whatever. What? Every time you see her, she's like freaking out. It's like her parents need to be spanked, all right, because they didn't raise her correctly. If you're a young girl and you're freaking out because Mother Earth's going to vomit and die or something, I don't know what your picture is. Uh, and if you don't do something now, and climate change is the greatest human threat on the planet, and we're hearing all kinds of things. During the previous administration, um, or not previous administration, two administrations ago, we were told that the reason that ISIS is active is because of climate change. We, do not, we cannot provide good enough jobs for them. If they just had good-paying jobs, they wouldn't be running around cutting people's heads off. It, this is amazing. It's like climate change is the greatest problem facing all of us. It's the biggest existential threat. Well, let's just talk like real numbers. There have been 50 major climate change predictions since 1960s. 50 major predictions about what was going to happen. There's movies. There's movies about this. How many of them have come to pass? Ready for this? Let let, let me highlight, just to show you how stupid this is. Now, the Bible says, I got to backtrack just for a second. I I, got to justify the word stupid. (laughs) Romans chapter 1, verse 25. They traded the truth about God for a lie, namely that there is no God, So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. And the Bible goes on to say God gave them over to the foolish ramblings of their mind, uh, and they became utter fools. Now, utter fools is just a nice word for saying stupid. And in fact, I'm encouraging, all right? You guys got to run this by your parents. But every student in this place, if you're sitting in a class and you're getting all this hysterical uh, green echo fascist nonsense being taught to you in your classroom. You just need to raise your hand. I'm giving you some, adv- I'm giving you some help. You're going to be able to use some of this. In fact, I'll send this to you if you want it. But just raise your hand and say, yes. Tom, yes. Teacher, this is stupid. <laughs> and then when you're in the principal's office, call me. I will come. <laughs> I will come and I'll say... I'll say, with all, with all due respect, with all due respect, I got to agree with the young man. Uh, this is stupid. Let me, let me highlight stupid. This, this is stupid on steroids. Hopefully, some of you will actually be able to sleep well tonight. I know some of you, you know, the climate change. Hopefully, you'll be able to sleep tonight. I'm trying to help you out. 1967. A dire famine forecast by 1975. In other words, the whole world's going to be in famine by 1975. People starving to death. How many of you know the, the quality of life and the length of life have gone up exponentially since 1967 across the globe? This is a favorite of mine. By 1970, this was prophesied in 1970. How many of you know the devil has prophets as well? 
There's going to be an ice age by the year 2000. How do you know that didn't age well? 1970 prophecy, thus saith the devil. American, America will be subject to water rationing by 1974 and food rationing by 1980. Last time I checked, I was raised in the 80s. We were eating pretty good. 1971, there's a new ice age coming by the year 2020. 1978, no end in sight to a 30-year cooling trend. This is when we're talking about global warming, and they're saying no end in sight to a 30-year cooling trend. How about this one? 1988, thus saith the devil, the Maldive Islands will be underwater by 2018. They're still there, folks, the Maldive Islands. You can go visit them. Rising sea levels, thus saith the devil, 1989, rising sea levels will obliterate nations if nothing is done by the year 2000. Any of you see those hysterical movies that were coming out? New York was flooding. Everybody's running into the library, you know, the whole eastern coast. It, and then, again, just the people prophesying this, if they had a brain, they, they wouldn't be living on the east coast. <laughs> or the west coast. California's going to go in the Pacific Ocean. No! They're all still living there, the ones writing the books. They're all still living there. Like, yes, you make you go. These folks are either really stupid or exceptionally stupid, but they're stupid. One, one way or the other, they're stupid. This is my favorite. By the year, this was, thus saith the Lord, the year 2000. Children won't know, not the Lord, the devil. The devil, the devil. Thus saith the devil. Children won't know what snow is. <laughs> Mine are still pretty good. How about yours? I mean, we live in northwest Indiana. No one's going like, what is snow? Well, that's because of global warming, honey. We used to have snow. It's gone. But here's a picture of a snowflake. No, we still have snow fights, and we're going to plow it out there in big piles. It's going to be great. Here's another one. Thus saith the devil. This was in the year 2002. Famine in 10 years if we don't give up eating fish and meat and dairy. What are we supposed to eat, for God's sake? I remember seeing one of these eco-terrorists. They went to SeaWorld, and can you imagine at SeaWorld, they actually serve fish sticks. <laughs> and one of these eco-terrorists went up to some little kid who was enjoying his fish sticks, and they're like, what are you doing? You're eating fish sticks. And the little kid's response was great. He said, they're good. Uh, <laughs> How about this one? Climate genius. This was in 2008. Climate genius, Al Gore. <laughs> the only thing funny, more funny about that is Al Gore is filthy rich from saying these stupid things and creating hysteria in people's lives. He could pay for our new building because of spouting off all these things because useful idiots believe him. Al Gore, the genius, climate genius, predicts an ice-free Arctic by 2013. <laughs> wow, that didn't age well either. Climate genius, Prince Charles. We have 96 months to save the world. <laughs> 
1968, thus saith the devil, overpopulation will spread worldwide. Do you realize that right now, most nations are not even producing enough children to survive. They won't be a nation anymore. They're not even having a replaceable birth rate. There is no threat of overpopulation. Can I just tell you why? Our worldview gives us a positive view of people. They're made in God's image. They have the ability to create. When there are challenges, we create. When there are problems, we come up with new technology. When we come up with new technology, we serve more people, and the quality of life goes up. But if you don't believe in God, then your only option is you get to be God. And that's why you're freaking out, because you're going to fix Mother Earth's fever, this low-grade fever called climate change. You have to fix it, or we're all going to die. And who's going to fix it? Not you stupid, low-level morons. This wasn't in the first service, but I'm more free now. (laughs) But smart government elite people that have never held a job in their life in the private sector, they're the ones smart enough to figure out how to solve global warming while they crisscross across the globe in their private jets. (laughs) Don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'm moving on. I'm trying to give you all you folks that are going to tell your teacher, that's really not smart to teach that. I'm giving you this is all the data, all right? So listen. How about this one? 1966, thus saith the devil, oil will be gone in 10 years. No, let me tell you what's really stupid. We're sitting on the world's most biggest oil reserve on the planet under the United States, and we're buying our oil from China. But trust your government to do what's right for you. No, we're doing just fine with the oil. We just can't figure out why it's important to get it out of the ground and actually use it for the good of people. I could go on and on. I'm not going to. 50 predictions. All for 50. It's about time somebody just started telling people this. Remember good old Paul Ehrlich, the population bomb, the book that he came out with? Basically, he said that human population was too big and would strip the world of resources leading to mass starvation. Now, this is really, really important. Jesus said this in in a couple places in the Bible. I'm reading here from from, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And listen, aren't Jesus says, please hear me. Aren't you more valuable than birds. Now, evidently, there were climate extremists back in Jesus' day, and they were evolutionists. They were early in the game because Jesus had to remind the disciples that, you guys, you're more valuable than a bird. Quit freaking out. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration of why you should never go ask me to go watch the movies with you because I know too much, and I'm ruined. I'm just ruined. I can't, I can't watch this because I, I know too much, all right? So this is an illustration from PETA. Everybody know PETA? Depending on what side of the fence you're on, it's either people for the ethical treatment of animals or people eating tasty animals, whatever group you want to be a part of. But it, I'm an official member of the latter group. But anyway, all right, go to this. This is, what is his name? Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, all right? How do you say that again? 
Yeah, here, Joaquin, Joaquin, not J- yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. We are all animals. What this intelligent, gifted actor is saying is there is absolutely no difference between any animal species and you. Therefore, you all need to be vegans because we want to end, see that, in speciesism. Some of you didn't even know you were afflicted with this disease. I got speciesism. It's killing me. It's another made-up word that's used for propaganda to push a wicked agenda that's going to kill people. What speciesism says is, who do you think you are to use the planet and the resources on the planet? Like, let's just take chickens. Does anybody in this room like chicken besides me? Okay, good. This group was standing out in front of Kentucky Fried Chickens all over the world because, listen, this makes me laugh, except that these people are serious. They equate the Nazi Holocaust and extermination of Jews with what's going on at Kentucky Fried Chickens across the world where chickens are being exterminated in ovens. Let me help you out. This is stupid. And that man believes that, which is why he has a chicken snuggling on his eyeball. And what's even more crazy is most of the people protesting in front of Kentucky Fried Chickens are naked. They're butt naked. Because we don't want to wear animals. So I'm going to stand out here naked protesting the chicken holocaust across America. In fact, I'm just encouraging all of you after church today, go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and say, my pastor sent me. It's a, it, it is a... It is a Christian worldview statement. Give me a bucket of chicken for the glory of God. Hallelujah. All right? How many of you are familiar with Ricky Gervais, the comedian guy? What's that? Thank you. I'm, I'm, as you can tell, I'm on top of popular culture. I mean, my son laughs because he knows. See, this is why I have a hard time. Okay, so in the, in the movie, um, help me out, Jay, the gladiator, the chicken guy, he goes down. That's good. That's good. Because the, he's got a bad worldview. So if there's got to be a bad guy in the movie, he should be the bad guy. Just let him go down. I'm going to make my point. I'm going to make my point. This is what Ricky says. By the way, Ricky was PETA's person of the year in 2013. Animals are not here for us to do as we please with. We're not their superiors. We are their equals. We are their family. Be kind to them. That is stupid. The problem is these folks treat animals better than people. Now, let me explain. I got, I got proof here, folks. I'm telling you, if you got to give me enough time, I'll go until today after tomorrow, but I'm not. But I'm just telling you. I'm just going to read you some quotes. This is, someone asked for this document, too. I'll, I'll send you the link. If anybody wants this, email me. I'll send you the link. I don't have time to go through. This is stupid on steroids, all right? Dave Foreman, co-founder of Earth First, 
We humans have a disease. We've become a disease. It's called the human pox. <laughs> oh, no, monkey pox is good. It has a monkey name in front of it, but human pox, you don't want human pox. These people, I was witnessing to a guy at the fairgrounds years ago. He told me he was down at a school in Indiana that, that goes by the same name, although I won't mention it. He's a biology major, and this is what, as I'm sharing with him about the gospel, this is what he's saying to me. Yeah, man, human, humans are the disease on Mother Earth. We're a cancer on Mother Earth, and we just got to get rid of people because they're killing Mother Earth. And I looked at him, I was laughing, I said, your mom and dad paid good money so you could go off to a state school and get a worthless degree? And be told, this is the result of four years and thousands of dollars, is that we are a cancer on Mother Earth behind? Are you kidding me? That is stupid. <laughs> HBO personality Bill Maher. How many of you know Bill Maher is becoming conservative, yeah. relatively speaking, only because of how insane our culture is? Like, Bill's like, I ain't that crazy, but he's still crazy. Let me just tell you how. He said, I'm pro-choice, I'm for assisted suicide, I'm for regular suicide, I'm for, I'm for whatever gets the freeway moving. That's what I'm for. It's too crowded. The plan is too crowded. We need to promote death. See, here's what I'm saying. I, I want to boil this down. Our worldview has a high view of human beings, and it leads to abundance of life. Their worldview has a lousy view of human beings. You're just another animal. You got no purpose, and you're actually a cancer on the planet, and we have to get rid of you so Mother Earth can survive. Now, if, you, if you're raising your kids in a school system that teaches this garbage and a family that believes this garbage, we wonder why there's so many emotional problems, mental, mental illness, anxiety, everything else going around. It's because people have a bad view of reality. Here's another word we use, Al Gore. He talks about fertility management. <laughs> the words these people come up with. Hey, hey, ladies, how many of you knew that one of your jobs is fertility, fertility management? I thought you just enjoyed your husband and had kids. I mean, I thought that's what this was about. What are we, we're, ma we're managing? We got to turn it into a management function? I mean, are we going to get degrees now in fertility management? Fertility management is simply we get to pick and choose who we want to be alive and who we don't want to be alive. But can I ask you a question again? If you're made in the image and likeness of God and, like it, and life is sacred, who gives you the authority to start your degree in fertility, fertility management? I just asked us some questions. Colorado State University. Don't anybody send your kid to Colorado State University if this person's still there. I won't mention his name, but here he is. His first name's Phil. A lot of Phil's. He wrote a paper called Climate Ethics and Population Policy. Listen to this. This is at our university setting. Ending human population growth is almost certainly necessary, but not sufficient condition for preventing catastrophic global climate change. Indeed, he says, significantly reducing the current human numbers may be necessary in order to do so. Now, did you hear what I said? How do you significantly reduce quote, current human numbers. To be a current human number means you've got to be alive now. Which means they're talking about 
killing people to reduce the population so Mother Earth will be happy and so they will have maximum climate health. The logical question should be, who's in line for that? Who's in line for that? And you bring up a good point. <laughs> Why is it that the people who are fighting all these causes, we need to get rid of people on planet Earth. You should be in the front of the line. If you believe this garbage and you you're, can't sleep at night, why aren't you in the front of the line? These are the same people that threatened to leave America because this person's elected. I keep waiting. Where are you? You're still in Hollywood. Why haven't you left yet? What is the matter with you? These folks, why are you? You're worried we got too many people. Go fix it. Be a solution. I'm telling you, if it's not rooted in truth, it ends in death. Amen. I've only got a couple more depressing things to share with you. <laughs> no, you know what? I actually don't find this depressing. I find this so stinking humorous that it reassures that the life that I'm living and the worldview that I've embraced is true. Amen. Right. And I sleep at night because I'm not worried about all this nonsense. Now listen, I'm, I'm quoting the founder of Planned Parenthood. Now we have people in the church that are still Planned Parenthood. Oh, well, you know, they, they provide good services. No, they provide one service. That's why they all went out of business. They provide one service. It's death. And this woman who founded Planned Parenthood is so radical and extreme, even Planned Parenthood is distancing, them, distancing themselves from her because she's bad for their image. Margaret Sanger, of course, is the person I'm talking about. She said, all of our problems are the result of overbreeding. That's an animal term, by the way. Oh, we don't breed. Overbreeding among the working class. Can I just tell you, all of you that have a job and are working hard every day, you're overbreeding. You're the reason we're all screwed up. It gets worse. Margaret's a piece of art. The most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. I have eight children. They're talking about me. I remember listening to these idiots on the, on, on the radio. I came in one night, I was all fired up because somebody was going on and on about how irresponsible it was to have more than one child. In fact, one child was questionable. And I got a house full of kids consuming mass quantities of food, energy, and the like. Bob, you're under conviction right now, aren't you? All right, I knew it. And I imagine going inside and saying, kids, your mom and dad have been irresponsible. Your dad's too crazy about your mom. I'm sorry all of you are here. Don't know how, don't know how all this happened. But one of you has got to go. It's for Mother Earth. It's for Mother Earth. One of you has got to go. This was Mr. Barack Obama's primary science advisor, John Holdgren. A program of sterilizing women after their second or third child, despite the relatively greater difficulty of the operation than vasectomy, might be easier to implement than trying to sterilize men. These are people in power suggesting that people should be, go through forced sterilization under the guise that we will overpopulate the planet. Now, this is happening in communist China, by the way. But 
to utter something like this for American public policy is as wicked as wicked could possibly be. Just a couple more, bear with me. David Brower, first executive director of the Sierra Club. Listen to this one. Childbearing should be a punishable crime against society. Unless the parents, I'm not kidding, please listen, unless the parents hold a government license. Can you imagine going to the, your local branch? It's kind of like the, you know, the license bureau. You take your little number and you go sit down and you come up and you say, hi, my wife and I would like to conceive. And then they start doing, yeah, we need a license. How much is the license? Seriously? I got to pay money to have, get a license? Yeah, you have to fill out this form and we'll get back to you. And then we'll do some homework and see if you're really the reproducible kind. Like, do we want you people reproducing? Well, I mean, you know, people with this worldview don't want people like me reproducing because I'm part of the cancer on Mother Earth. It goes on. Let me share this brave new world. All potential parents should be required to use contraceptive chemicals, the government issuing antidotes to citizens chosen for childbearing. Now you have to get an antidote to conceive. All because Greta Thornburg is screaming, we're all going to die! The poor child. She's, she has been mentally abused by adults who should know better. But this is the drivel that's being taught in universities. It's being taught in government schools in many places. Do you know in California, this is great, in California, a 14-year-old can leave school during the day, go get an abortion, and her parents have no part in any of that because children don't belong to parents. They belong to the state. This is, this is what's going on all over the place. And here's why I'm saying all of this. You can either embrace an identity of death and fear and hysteria and, oh, my gosh, how can we sleep? The greatest concern, you hear politicians say this, the greatest concern facing us today is global warming. Do you know that still hasn't gone over well in most Americans? Most Americans go seriously, and they go right on with their day. It's the same reason why when you ask the typical American whether, or person on planet Earth whether they believe in evolution, the, most of them will still laugh at you even after how many years of indoctrination. Why? Because it's stupid. Here's my question. Why do we try to save any animal if we believe in survival of the fittest? Let the weak suckers die. If the bird can't cut it, The bird shouldn't be living. It's going extinct. But we go through great lengths to try to do all this crazy stuff based on false premises that, as we've seen over since the 60s, threatening all kinds of global hysteria. Stop worshiping the planet and worshiping animals and start worshiping God. Steward the planet. Don't worship the planet. Let's have a positive view of human beings that you're incredibly gifted because you're made in the image and likeness of God. And that if the Holy Spirit is working through a believer, there's no end to what can be created or what solutions could be solved if we simply believed that people are not the problem, people are the solution. That kids are not a curse, that children are a blessing. 
and that we don't need to worry about planet Earth because God created planet Earth quite well. Uh, it's been around for some time now. It's doing just great. Let's just steward and work on taking good care of the environment for the glory of God. We all want to have a beautiful place to live. Amen. But can I encourage you, eating animals is not like Nazi Germany Holocaust. And I encourage you to pick up a chicken leg today, and as you're biting on that wonderful piece of meat, just go, thank you, Lord, that I'm not a chicken. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not a cow. I'm not a dog. I'm not a fish. In fact, let's eat fish tomorrow night for dinner. This is not mistreating animals. This is taking dominion over a planet and realizing that the animals exist for you. You don't exist for the animals. This is liberating, as I feel. I feel I'm feeling more like a king every day. I'm, I'm ruling and reigning, and God created this beautiful planet for us to enjoy, and we can be happy. We don't have to worry about a hot dog shortage or something like this. It's going to send us all over the brink. Hey, some of you guys go on a trip this year to Antarctica. Y'all realize, remember that picture with the polar bear on the, on the floating mass of ice? It was a setup. They put the polar bear on the ice because they were trying to say that eventually this poor polar bear won't have a habitat. The polar bear's going to die. <laughs> no, it was a fake. The polar bears are doing just fine. There's a lot of ice up there for them to enjoy. Go home, take a nap today. Eat some ice cream. Go to KFC. Look at nature. Worship outside. Plant some flowers. Build something creative. Use your gifts for the glory of God. But for God's sake, quit freaking out about all this nonsense that's going on. And why don't we get to some serious issues that are facing us as a people. Climate change ain't one of them. Stand to your feet. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for a worldview that liberates, that elevates, that produces health in every dimension, Lord. Help us to have the courage to speak it, to live it, to believe it, and to provide solutions, Lord, that point people to the goodness of God, to the greatness of our Christian worldview, and to the blessing that the gospel is everywhere it goes. Help us to be faithful in communicating this truth. And Jesus, we give you all the glory. Where would we be without you? Thank you for saving us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for our future. And Lord, I pray today, if there's any of you in this place who don't know Christ, what a blessing to take off the unbearable weight of trying to be God and trying to run your own life. What a joy to humble yourself and to admit that you're not God and that you need a Savior. And Jesus Christ wants to rock your life today. If you need prayer for anything, come on down. If you're brand new here today, we'd love to meet you. Come on down and introduce yourself. But Lord, I send these people out now. We're on the mission field as we leave these doors. Use us this week to proclaim your goodness and glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Have a great day. Love you guys.